Well, thank you, Lord. Wonderful to be with you. It's such a blessing to get opportunities to preach and to share what is on the heart of God. And I think that that's what's essential for us to do as we come to the pulpit. There's a respect and an honor that we have for the Lord that we'll present stuff that God would have us share with you. So just uh, pray a little silent prayer for me that I will speak what God has spoken to my heart that He wants to speak to yours. So you're stuck with Budweiser today, right? I want to tell you something. I just suddenly realized my son is for me. As we sang, God is for you. He's often said to me, Dad, this Bud, he's known as Bud, I'm Bud Weiser. He said, Dad, this Bud is for you. I'm not against you. I'm for you. And so we just continue with a little bit of humor to start off with. Um, but I will tell you something, just with our pastor being away, I was thinking back to a pastor um, who was fairly well known in Baptist circles, a man named Peter Lord. And Peter Lord, he had, by Sunday afternoon, just a desire to nap, all right? So his wife and he named his bed Miami because they stayed a little north of Miami. You'll see that his ministry was in Cape Canaveral area. So on a Sunday afternoon, when people would call in and ask to speak to the pastor, without lying, she would say, hey, I'm sorry, he can't speak to you. He's in Miami, okay? <laughs> So, I just want you to know that pastors have particular problems. One of them is we don't like to lie, okay? So, let's get on with the word. I want to share with you the next love language, and it is the language of acts of kindness, acts of kindness, Overall, as we are talking about the love languages, we're doing this with a purpose. It's not just to enhance your relationships, although it will, but it's really to get to the gist of the heart of God. What is God's heart not only for us, but what is God's heart in us and through us? Because as we saw a few weeks ago, love, agape love, is a love that is expressed. It's an outward flowing love. It's not a love that is concealed within us, but it's an outward flowing love. Jesus said, and again that was in John 13 verse 35, we've had this verse every week now on this particular topic, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, as you love one another, if you love one another. And that is a choice. It's a choice that we make to express the love of God. But isn't it interesting that we're not just going to be known by our faith, we're not just going to be known by our understanding of the Word, but we're going to be known by 
the way that we love, and as Pastor said this morning in the video, we're learning to love well. And in order to love well, your love has to be effective. It has to be able to reach out to others to let them know you have just expressed love. And then there is that verse in Philippians, just to tie it down to the Word. In Philippians chapter 1, sorry, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, if you have any encouragement, sorry, let me just encourage myself here, get my cheaters, amazing how everything becomes clearer. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, right? We're believers, we're united with Christ. So if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. Having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So that's the attitude, <clears throat> excuse me, that we approach acts of kindness, okay? And I think particularly uh, in the family relationships, acts of kindness are what helps to knit and to mold the family together. I discovered very soon that what I thought was an act of kindness was like just normal. I thought emptying the garbage was an act of kindness, okay? But it wasn't. It was just an expectation. Hey, you want the family to run? We've got to get the garbage emptied. Mowing the grass can be an act of kindness if you do it at a specific time that your wife would like you to have the lawn mowed because she's expecting guests, and then you're going to do it at an appropriate time. So we can kind of shift in and out of this act of kindness, and we do it out of love, and we do that which will help the other person to see that we love you. It's like a, hey, I love you, I mowed the grass when you wanted me to, Praise God. Are you out there? All right. When Louise and I had met, uh, we started into a relationship which was a very steady relationship. She did not have other boyfriends that I was aware of, and I did not have other girlfriends that she was aware of. And we would go out uh, week by week. But you know, to this day, Louise remembers a little act of kindness that I would do on a Sunday after my mother had cooked a roast dinner and we'd all partaken thereof. It became a family tradition. I would leave 
to go to see Louise. But after dinner, my dad would always have a box of chocolates. That's, he liked chocolates, okay? And so I wouldn't just take a chocolate for myself. I'd take one for Louise. I'd put it in my top pocket. And guess what? The moment I arrived, she was overjoyed to see me, of course. But her little hand would go into my pocket and pull out the chocolate, and her eyes would light up. And you know what? I'll tell you, she could have bought 10 of those chocolates, but that little act of kindness, what did it say? I love you, baby, and I want you to feel the love, okay? It wasn't much, but it was an act of kindness, and man, it kept us going for a long time. Now, I'll tell you something else very quickly. She also loves something that you would probably call dried sausage here. Um, we call it druevors, okay? Drua means dry, and vors simply means sausage. Well, we're dating, and she has my home phone number. I'm at home studying because I used to study in the evenings. I, went to a, I, went, I worked in the day. I went to school at night and come home and study, get a call like 9.30. I would just love some druevors, some dried sausage. She'd had a hard day. So being me, of course, hey, this is an opportunity to show the love, right? So I'm off. I go to the local delicatessens. I buy it, and they come in sticks because they just, if you can imagine sausage just made in one continual tube, right? You could get sausage this long. And so what they do is they'd cut off these kinds of lengths and then just droop it and dry it. But it wasn't just any sausage. It was South African burbos, which you haven't lived until you've tasted burbos, okay? They do make it in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So, uh, but if you are watching, uh, it's an expectation <laughs> that you will bring home some burbos. But guess what? When I arrived... Louise was nursing at the time, so she was staying at the back of the Grutteskeur Hospital where the first heart transplant took place. And so I knew where the nurse's quarters were. I didn't know her exact room, but as I arrived, I saw a little hand waving to me. The only problem was it was on like the second or third floor. I can't remember which. And I knew if I was going to throw this stuff... Uh, somebody else was going to enjoy the benefits of it, right? So, being very astute, I noticed the drain pipe going up the building. And they had very conveniently put barbed wire on the drain pipe, which, lo and behold, makes it easier to climb. Did you know that? Maybe not. So I thought, oh, well, she's waving to me. I thought, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to uh, throw it to her. So I started going up the drain pipe. You know, I was young then. And up to the second floor, reached across, handed it to her, looked over to my right. And my mother had a friend who drove a little Morris Minor. She happened to be the matron in charge of the Grote Skuur Hospital. And guess what I saw chugging along the road? Sister Fuqua, the matron of the hospital, 
Well, I had completed my act of kindness. <laughs> so I dropped like a stone, and I just lay low. And fortunately, it was never heard of again other than in jest. But I want to tell you, when you're in love, you'll do all kinds of things to show those acts of kindness, will you not? So, when you think in biblical perspectives, when you think of an act of kindness, what do you think of? Or who do you think of? For me, what popped into my mind immediately was the good Samaritan. And I want to go there, I want to have a look at this, perhaps in a new light, and have a look at this, the story, the parable that Jesus spoke of, the good Samaritan. And let's see something about acts of kindness. I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles um, and a flashlight, or you have your Bible on phone, go ahead, turn to chapter 10. I did get into trouble from my family once. I bought a flashlight to this church. And when the Bible reading came up, I had to take up, thank you, I'd take up my flashlight. I don't know if you're aware of this, by the way. The new war is not whether you wear a suit or don't wear a suit, or whether you wear a tie or don't wear a tie. It's not any longer the music's too loud or the music's too soft or it's too rowdy. The new war is younger people don't like light, older people love light. So find yourself a position where you can actually read the Word of God, whether it's on your phone or on your Bible. And let's have a look at the Good Samaritan. Now remember, too, that Jesus was talking to Jews. He came first for the Jew, okay? So he came to the Jewish nation. So we've got to understand that there's a perspective here that we might not fully understand because the ultimate of the story is a story for those who were the keepers of the law. And they were very religious people, and I mean very religious. That was basically people that we know today as the Pharisees, okay? So, in verse 29, sorry, 25, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, there's a key word there. It's do. What must I do? Religious people would like to always submit to the law and know what they need to do. Their religion is expressed in works and in good works. The problem with the Pharisees was their heart was not aligned with God. If you are going to do good works, then your heart has to be aligned with God because God has ordained good works for you to do in Ephesians 2. It tells us very clearly that our salvation is not by works. It's by faith in God alone. And folks, if you don't know this, faith works by love. 
Love is what leads us to faith. Faith does not work by doing alone. Faith leads to obedience, right? But we obey God because we love God. Underlying all that we do for God, with God, by God, is love. It's through love, it's through love, it's through love. So he's inquiring about what should he do. Now I'll tell you this one thing that we have to understand, and this is probably my first point, and I've got four today, so bear with me. Okay. It's easy to work hard at doing the wrong thing. You see that? You can work hard. I must admit, it's not very often. But there are times that I work very hard doing stuff for my spouse and my family, and I feel like I am not rewarded. I feel like what we used to call a dog's body, okay? Don't laugh. Don't laugh. You know why she's laughing? Because she feels like a dog's body too, okay? So no reflection on my family at all. It's all me. That's why I'm exposing my heart here today, okay, while my son's away. Um, I don't want to see him cringing and squirming like I have to do during the sermon time when he uses those illustrations from his childhood. Okay, so it would be payback if he was watching, so we can... No, nothing bad, nothing bad. But you know, you can work hard thinking that you are having an effect. And I would think to myself, gee, I get no credit for this. You know, I do all this stuff and I just get chewed out or whatever it is that, that I felt like I wasn't treated fairly. Kind of like the older brother to a certain extent in the story of the prodigal son. But you know, in effect, it's your heart. And you know what I had to learn? And it's your fault. You have to learn to, now, I'm, don't, don't, kind of be an opportunist and say, oh, well, I scored on that one, or I scored on that one, so I'm not going to do this. That was a waste of time. I'm not saying work out a whole new set of rules, but I'll tell you one thing that I learned is when you do stuff, do it with a heart for God. Do it because God has showed you that's the right thing to do, because that's the highest form of love. That is agape love, is doing what God has shown you to do you don't even have to have a good spirit about it. I had to be careful to not allow bitterness to enter my heart because I did good and I wasn't rewarded. My son-in-law and I were illegally at the airport, the Air Force beach in Destin. Okay, I say illegally, they don't mind, but it's a beach for Air Force personnel only, but it was a good beach, so we went to that beach. Every time a plane went by, we'd say, oh, look at that plane. Yeah, it's got wings. Yes. Oh, nice. So that we thought that they thought we were Air Force personnel. Anyway, we were, a good thing came out of it. Three young ladies, not kids, but three young women were swept out in one of those riptides. We heard them shouting, screaming. Nobody was going to their help. My son-in-law, who's six foot seven, he took off running, and I thought, hmm, 
I'm a little bit older than what I used to do, be when I was surfing. I better be careful that I don't get into trouble as well. I want to be useful in this. So I went out as far as I felt comfortable that I could stand against the riptide. Cut a long story short, he brought them in one at a time to me, and I dragged them out and dumped them on the beach where they just kind of unwound, so to speak, coughed their lungs out. They were ready to die. It was not going to end well. We got all three of them out. And my son-in-law walked by them to see that they were okay and they looked like they were fine. They were talking to their friends and everything else. I will tell you, they never said thanks. They never said a word. In fact, we didn't exist as far as they were concerned. And you know what? I thought, that's okay. We did what we were called to do. We're not looking for a award. I didn't need my name in the newspaper. Didn't need to be on local TV. I didn't need any of that. We just did what we were supposed to do, and we went on. We saw they were preoccupied, and they were telling their friends about all the things that would happen. So that was fine. We were just like the Good Samaritan. So be careful with doing good deeds. If you do to get, you might end up bitter and twisted, okay? You're not doing stuff for a reward. You're doing it because it's the right thing to do, because you are an expression of God's agape love. All right, so verse 20, sorry, let's just read on there a little bit before we do. So what should I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, this is the Pharisee, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I want to tell you in Matthew 22, verse 39, there's another incident like this, and Jesus said the second, that is, the relationship that is horizontal, okay, the horizontal relationship, he said, is like it. In other words, it is as important to love your neighbor as yourself as it is as important to love the Lord your God. Okay? I did this on purpose. What does that show you? The cross. In the cross, we have a horizontal relationship. It's a blood-bought relationship. We are filled with the power of God's Holy Spirit. And guess what? If you're filled with the Spirit, you're listening to the Spirit of God, you're being guided by the Spirit of God, you're going to walk in agape love even to the extent of loving your enemies. You know why? Because that's the full expression of God's love. God loves His enemies. We know that the sun shines on the righteous and the unrighteous. But then there's the vertical relationship. Well, the Pharisees were working hard at the vertical relationship, but as we can see by this parable, there are places where they did not perform very well on the horizontal, and it's because of the virtual. It's because they followed the law. It's because they were obedient to the Word of God. It's because they fastidiously followed 
the law of God. That they broke relationship with their fellow man. Let's be warned in our hearts. It's good to know the Word. I love to take my Bible and beat people over the head with it, don't you? <laughs> Do you know where that gets you? I, I think I told you the story about the time I was on my way to Vivi. I know where Vivi is. Okay, it's in Swiss County. It's just past Madison. But the road was windy, and there were double lines for no overtaking. But it was a Friday evening, and so, I'm clever. Why do you turn every corner when you can just go straight, right? As you come around this way, the other corner's going that way, but you can go across on the other side of the road, and you cut the corners out. It's brilliant. Don't try it. There was a guy behind me, and he sees me going straight. The guy was a cop. <laughs> Bless his heart. Anyway, he stopped me. I don't know why. I mean, I thought I was pretty clever. I could see there were no other lights. I'm just going. You know, it's straight. Why do you have to turn? Anyway, he did think I was drunk. I was stupid enough at that time to turn to him and say, Sir, I don't drink. I'm a Christian. I mean, how dumb can you get? You know, I mean, that's, uh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm obeying the law of not drinking and driving. You see, I, I lost him on that. It was not an advert for Christianity at all. Um, I should have kept my mouth shut and said, no, I'm not drunk. <sighs> and he made me breathe out. He could see I wasn't drunk. He realized I wasn't drunk. I was just stupid. Okay, and you know, cops are very discerning, right, Jeff? They know, they understand, especially when it's a mature man like me, you know. I've been let off with so many warnings. I guess they just think, hey, this guy's a little dumb, but we'll let him go. <laughs> Too much trouble. So, what we're looking at, back to the Bible, is a heart of love. By your righteousness, you can cut yourself off from the love of God when you disobey the horizontal relationship. If you have a love for God rather than a fear of God obeying His rules, you, <clears throat> excuse me, you will follow in agape love and you will obey His laws of love. You can actually miss it with God in terms of your relationship simply by being righteous and zealous for the law. And this is what Jesus was wanting to point out. So that point number one, it's easy to work hard at doing the wrong things. We saw that with the Pharisees. And here we go. I'm going back to verse 28. You were answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. Do you see that? Do this, express that love, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, 
a man was coming down, sorry, going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he fell into the hands of robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Welcome to downtown Louisville. A priest, okay, I'm, I'm just share that because you know, uh, it's, we're bringing into modern day terms, right? Okay, right? Got your attention. Okay. A priest happened to be going down the same road. A priest. Now remember, there's a difference between priests and Levites. If you know your Old Testament, the priests were the sons of Aaron. The Levites were the sons of Levi. The Levites were to assist the priests in their priestly worship. They did not enter into the temple. They simply served on the periphery. Okay? The uh, sons of Levi were the priests. The, uh, sorry, were the helpers, the Levites. But the sons of Aaron were the Kohanes. So if you meet Jewish family and their last name is Cohen, okay? Cohen, Kohen, that means priest. They're from that priestly family of Aaron. If you go to a Jewish cemetery, you'll find the Kohanes are buried on the outer perimeter of the cemetery. That's Jewish tradition. So here we have a priest happened to be going down, a priest, a godly man, the same road. And when he saw the man, he gasped. I'm sorry, he passed by on the other side. He probably did gasp too and said, this guy's half dead. Okay, can't help him. I've got to be on my way. Now, remember, there were certain rituals, cleansing rituals. You were not supposed to touch dead bodies or walk in, in their perimeter in their area. And God gave those rules for specific reasons, okay? And this guy was following the rules of righteousness. He followed the law religiously. So, too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. So the priest and the Levite, two holy men, ignored their horizontal relationship because they were stuck in their vertical relationship with God out of fear, obeying the law of God. They were righteous as they obeyed the law of God. But it was that very righteousness that led to pride, and that pride led to to downfall. But a Samaritan, Samaritans, Pastor Paul told us a little bit about Samaria, despised. Jews would walk around Samaria rather than pass through Samaria. Remember the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well? Jesus ministered to the woman at the well. Not only was a man talking to a woman, but also a Jew was talking to a Samaritan despised nation. So Jesus uses this specifically. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds. Is that an appropriate act of kindness? Why didn't he just kneel and pray and say, Love you, brother. I'm on my way to Jericho. Don't have time, but God bless you and heal you. I'm moving on. And the guy's still lying there. So, bandaging wounds is possibly better than a prayer. 
but prayer and bandaging wounds, you hit the jackpot, right? He poured in the oil and the wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Duh. Duh. Uh, the donkey? Okay? It's so obvious. But that must have hit them in the face. I've been religious. I've seen people in my younger days walk into church and thought to myself, they don't need to be in church. They need to be somewhere else. There were people that didn't fit my pattern. I was thinking of a vertical relationship. I was this holy, holy person. I was righteous. But my eyes were focused on my vertical relationship only. And the love of God was held, dammed up, and welled in my heart. Yes, God loved me. Yes, I felt His love. But I was the Dead Sea. Okay? Not the babbling brook that we heard about last week. I nudged Louise. I said, I'm the Dead Sea. I get home from work. Hey, happy to see you, says Louise. Yes, nice to be back. How was your day? Fine. Any news? No. Hey, what news do you have? I drove to work. I worked. I came back. That's my day. What more do you want to know? Okay, nothing happened since I left you of any significance. But you hear about her day. Half an hour later, we know what happened. And it was interesting. I thought, ooh, that's interesting. But to get back to our story, the love of God needs to flow from our hearts. It needs to flow out to others. We can't be the Dead Sea. In this case, it's not in terms of sharing and spending time and saying words of encouragement, but it's really letting the love of God flow by action within our relationships with others that shows them the love of God. Because in every relationship, we can't say, well, I love you. You know, you can within certain people, with certain people, you can say, love you, brother, and mean it, okay? Because you help people, you do kind things. At work, you can't say, hey, love you. Um, or maybe you do, I don't know. I'm not there yet, okay? I'm kind of restricted in my love. But let your love flow even to your enemies, because that is the ultimate goal of your love is to flow to everyone, every single person. I'll tell you a little thing about forgiveness. If you've had unforgiveness and you think you've forgiven somebody, do you bless them? Do you bless them? That is the ultimate goal of forgiveness, is when you can turn not necessarily to that person, but every time you have a memory of that person, you can pray a blessing 
instead of receiving that hurt again, receiving that pain, trying to justify yourself again, you let it flow in a sense of forgiveness, and you know that your heart has been healed by the love of God, because you know there's more love where that came from. You know, everybody has a love tank that needs to be filled. I heard a pastor once who taught on the Father's love, was saying, when you come to a relationship like a, a marital relationship, you both empty your love tanks, and then what? As he said, you're like two ticks and no dog. Do you see what happens? Oh, I need you to say I love you or whatever, and you're thinking, I can't. I don't feel like I love you. I don't feel the love anymore. Well, that's the wonderful thing about God. He keeps filling your love tank, and your love tank keeps overflowing. That's the kingdom of God. I don't do it out of fear. I don't do it because I want to get something back. I do it because it's the right thing to do in the circumstances. So, love is a choice. It can't be coerced. You can't manipulate people into loving you. One's got to be very careful. You can try to manipulate by guilt. It doesn't work. It's not part of the love language. Neither can you coerce people into loving you by fear. It's not part of the love language. But listen to this. Here's your choice. Do you choose to live by the love of the law, or do you choose to live by the law of love? If you live by the law of love, then your heart has been cleansed by God. It has not only been cleansed, it has been empowered. Love is an action word. God has filled us with His Spirit. Paul said, you have not received a spirit again to fear but you have received the spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. You are fully equipped to do the works of God. In simplicity, Francis of Assisi said, go and preach the gospel, in parentheses, use words if necessary. You can have and impact on people's lives and lead them to Christ without ever mentioning God or Jesus or the church. You can love them into life by the power of God. Sure, they're going to come to Christ because that's the ultimate fulfillment of their healing and meeting of their need, and that's going to be your goal. However, we have to realize that we're resting strongly on the Spirit of God. Last point, and I'm done, we hope. Loving well is going to require a change of stereotypes. I did a little, well, I did a lot of counseling, premarital counseling 
in church in Seymour. Um, my word to everybody was, if you're thinking of getting married, don't make a date. Come and see me. We'll do about six to ten weeks of premarital counseling. If you want to get married after that, we'll set a date. <laughs> okay? But we went into the background. One of the things I would picture, and picture this scenario, because it applies to a lot of other things. You got married. You're on honeymoon. Or you just come back from honeymoon. And now you wake up. It's the first morning. For the wife, her father used to cook breakfast. For the husband, his mother used to cook breakfast. We have two stereotypes. So they're lying in bed like, <clears throat> uh, I'm, I'm hungry, aren't you? The one is waiting for the other to get up and make the breakfast because the stereotype was, hey, my mama used to cook my breakfast. And the other was, hey, daddy used to bring me breakfast in bed. Okay? So once you have a stereotype, what do you think the Levite and the priest had? They had a stereotype of a Samaritan. They knew Samaritan, bad. Okay? Jew, good. If they were to be successful, they would have to change their stereotype. So remember, when you get into family life, it don't matter if your daddy never took the garbage out. You are about to find out that it's not just an act of kindness, but it will be because it'll kind of keep you out of a lot of trouble, okay? <laughs> it might be an act of kindness to yourself. Hey, don't worry. You're talking to a guy whose mother expected him to empty the garbage and he wasn't aware of it. She had told him five times, but you know what guys are like. We just, we ignore it until mama starts screaming. Well, mama didn't start screaming. I'm sitting talking to my friend outside the back door. The next minute I know, there is garbage all over my head, my shoulders, running down my body. Did I learn my lesson? Yeah. Okay. You've got to be aware and just know you can do the right thing at the wrong time. Okay. Be attentive to God and to the power of His Spirit. Let God guide you to do the acts of kindness. Let them be an act of kindness that is the right type of kindness to the right person at the right time. The good Samaritan did everything that he should have done. He did it to the right person. He did it to the right, at the right time. And it had effect. The Levite and the priest could have done that, but they chose not to. Choose love, for that is the heart of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today's lesson. And Lord, thank you for stepping on our toes a little bit. We thank you for your love. And Lord, we just decide to do everything out of love. Not expecting a reward, but doing it because it's the right thing to do. Not 
waiting for feelings, as I know I have done sometimes. Not to wait for feeling like doing it, but Lord, just simply to obey. Help us to be spontaneous. Help us to preach the gospel with acts of kindness. And choose words if they are appropriate. So Lord, if there's anybody here today, if you're here today and you do not know the love of God, but you want the love of God, you want God to be expressed in your heart, here's a prayer that you can pray. Just say, Father, I come to you today. I come repenting of the sin that has held me outside of the kingdom of God and outside of your heart. I ask you to forgive me. Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Empower me by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lead me and guide me and make my life into something that, Lord, you would be proud of. So I submit myself to you and I receive you today, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.